Online advertising is heavily affected by a set of delusions and fraudulent practices that few people in the ad tech industry have an interest in stopping or disclosing. This is the curious, perverse nature of the world of online media. Some of the online advertising that we see does fulfill its job on the rare occasion when an ad successfully conveys a meaningful message from a marketer to a consumer. But there are reasons to be extremely skeptical of the way that online advertising works. In this episode and several more to come, Software Engineering Daily will be diving deep into the ad tech business to understand the bot fraud and the mass psychosis that bolsters our tech media giants. Bob Hoffman is the author of The Ad Contrarian, a long-running blog about advertising. After selling the advertising agency that he was running, he left the industry, and in today's episode, Bob discusses his experience in the ad industry and the delusions that he saw when he was working in it. This is a great episode. I've been reading Bob's blog for several years, and I think you'll enjoy it as well. Bob Hoffman is the author of The Ad Contrarian, a long-running blog about advertising. Bob, welcome to Software Engineering Daily. Thank you, Jeff. How are you? So this is the first of a series of shows that I'm publishing about the online advertising industry. And uh, I, I wanted to start with you because you are not an engineer. Um, <laughs> I am the furthest thing from an engineer. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, yes. You know the later shows. The later shows are going to focus on ad tech and ad fraud and these more technical topics. But I feel like you can introduce the listeners to some of the things that are at the top of the advertising funnel that lead to these sorts of fraud and misbehavior further down the stack. So, with that in mind, let's just start with like the simple relationship of a marketer trying to sell products to the consumers that are being messaged. So as yeah. as we have moved to digital advertising, yeah. what has changed about the relationship of a marketer to that consumer that the marketer is targeting? It has become much more of a one-to-one uh, direct response sell. Most advertising, well, I shouldn't say most, but a lot of advertising in the traditional advertising world was what we call brand or product advertising. And uh, and then there was some of it that was direct response advertising. And uh, they come from two different genealogies. So there's the... Um, there's the Madison Avenue style of advertising, which we were used to before the web, which was TV and radio and outdoor. And it was about building brands and it was about promoting products. And then we also had what we used to call junk mail, which was direct response advertising and 800 numbers. And the objective of direct response advertising was to get people to act now. The objective of the other genealogy, the Madison Avenue style of advertising, was to build brands. And since the uh, since we have um, online advertising has become ascendant, uh, what has happened is that online advertising, which we thought, or many of us in the advertising world thought would be like traditional advertising in that it would be effective brand building 
advertising has really turned out to be mostly from the other genealogy, the uh, the direct response kind of junk mail advertising. Mm. So the advantage of that direct response advertising is that the the response is something that is a little more measurable than the idea of blasting out or or sending a you know putting up a billboard that is for Tide detergent and just kind of putting your finger in the wind and hoping you can get a sense for how much that billboard is helping your brand. Um, but well, so but the problem is as we move online, this creates a perverse incentive for for companies to fudge the numbers because you have you get these data-driven marketers that are addicted to seeing a number connected to how their advertising campaign uh, is is functioning on the internet and that number can be juiced it can be messed with so what are some of those numbers that we're talking about here and how what are the ways in which that relationship between the marketer and the consumer has been made a little dysfunctional by this this data-driven uh, numerical analytics industry that has come up around that genealogical, like you said, the direct response genealogy? Well, it's more than slightly... Um uh, a problem. It, it's a big problem. First, marketers have gotten addicted to the idea of instant gratification. So they see a number immediately, and that's what they love. And the problem is that the numbers are tremendously unreliable uh, because of many things, including ad fraud. But the other problem is that that's not really how advertising works. Uh, advertising is like exercise, right? And if, if I go out and I run uh, 10 miles all of a sudden today, uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna feel better or feel healthier tomorrow. Matter of fact, I'm gonna probably throw up and feel terrible. But if I do it every day for a year, a year from now, I'm gonna feel a lot better and be a lot healthier. That's that's how exercise works, and that's how and that's how brand advertising works. When you advertise today, you're not suddenly going to be successful tomorrow. You're gonna you're gonna have to do it for a while, and a year from now, your brand is probably going to be healthier and in better shape, and more popular and more successful than it is today. But the problem is. Marketers are getting used to the idea of instant gratification and short-termism. And that's, and that's one of the big problems that online advertising is creating. Mm. Now, there's also the idea that there are certain brands that are, they don't really have competitors in the marketplace. And so I'm curious like, what your perspective is on, on that because, so take a brand like Tesla, there's they don't, they don't do much uh, brand advertising as I know as far as I know you you've you've talked about the same thing with Apple which I, f- I found very interesting about how Apple doesn't do I'm sorry they don't do online they don't do the online trackable advertising as much they do they do more the pervasive brand advertising you see Apple on billboards you see Apple on commercials you don't see Apple advertising that is like click driven and data driven as as much. Um, 
and it's it's hard to know exactly so okay so what why is apple doing that why do you use apple as that example because uh is is it because apple doesn't have any substitutes and it's more of like they just want to be pervasive or what it like why why doesn't apple do the data driven type of advertising and why are they more motivated to do uh, to do billboards and stuff like that because Apple is smart. Apple is the most successful company in the world, and they know what they're doing, and they are not... Uh, I mean, Apple doesn't have a Twitter feed or a Facebook page. They they do what has built their brand very, very successfully. And it's not that they don't have competitors. They have tremendous competitors. But they are very smart, and they know what they're doing, and... Um, it's remarkable that here is the number one technology company in the world, and they do almost no online digital advertising. They're 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 below the line stuff. We call below the line stuff like um, documents and 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 uh, web pages and stuff like that. They do a great job of that online. Their online stuff is brilliant, but it's not their advertising. Their advertising is television and it's outdoor and it's print, and they do it very well. And they're very successful at it. And what's remarkable to me is that the rest of the marketing industry hasn't learned from Apple about how to be successful with advertising. Yeah. So now I think the, the overarching message that I get from what I've heard you talk about, what I've, you know, I listened to your podcast, the Ad Contrarian podcast, I have read your blog. And my impression from reading what you've said and from looking at the advertising industry is that, so this newer generation of advertisers that wants a data-driven approach to marketing, they want to know how many ads lead to conversions, they want to know how many ads lead to an actual purchase of a t-shirt, they're not necessarily wrong, and they're not necessarily incapable of tracking the purchase of a t-shirt from the click of an ad. And on the other on the other hand, the brand advertisers of the past who would in the past might have wanted to just plaster the internet with a bunch of ads for Tide detergent, put their finger in the wind and hope that it's affecting their sales in on a macro level that may not be as traceable, those people are not necessarily wrong to to want to do that kind of brand advertising on the internet, uh, even though that type of brand advertising may have decreased over time and gone towards more of the trackable. Neither of these sides are are wrong, but the the issues that you talk about, as I understand, are the fact that the marketplace exploits the the behaviors of both of those types of marketers. In the in the brand advertising land, the the marketplace exploits those brand advertisers by placing those brand ads in places where nobody is ever going to see the ad. The only per- person that's going to see it is a bot, um, and and the the sleazy part of the industry can get away with that because these brand advertisers can't really measure it even in the best case scenario. And then on the other side of things, the people who are who are uh, driven by trackable advertising, those people are exploited by very sophisticated botnets that are doing things like getting all the way to the end of the shopping cart. Uh, you know, they're putting the T-shirt in their shopping cart, and then they're just dropping off from there. And then these, you know, these these data-driven marketers are like, "Oh, look how good our campaign went! You know, we had all this, you know, all these shopping carts with T-shirts in them, but 
you know, they get drop off. So is is that accurate? Do you get the sense that both of these types of advertisers are just being completely exploited? Yeah, they're not being, you know, completely exploited. There are some people who are using um, ad tech successfully and are using online advertising successfully, but um, most, but most advertisers are not. Most advertisers don't know what they're buying. They don't know who they're buying it from. They don't know what they're getting. They don't know how much they're paying. Uh, but they're doing it because everyone else is doing it. And, and, and as you say, the, um, the, the analysis they're getting is not reliable. It's often fraudulent, but they keep doing it. And uh, th- th- there, there is so much uncertainty about what you're getting when, when you're buying online advertising um, that it's remarkable that it keeps growing at the rate it keeps growing. Now, do you have, does anybody have a good picture of how pervasive these botnets are? No. Um, uh, all we know is if you want to make a lot of money fast, get into the ad fraud business. Uh, according to Hewlett Packard, ad fraud has both the highest payout and the lowest risk of any type of online criminal activity. Billions of dollars are being uh, being stolen from advertisers every year, and almost no one is ever prosecuted. In fact, it's not even clear that all kinds of online ad fraud are illegal. Nobody knows the size and scope. Of, of advertising fraud. People think they know, but they don't. Uh, all estimates of the size of ad fraud are based on highly conjectural assumptions. Conjectural and biased. And biased. And if you look at the research estimates, they range from, uh, 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 of ad fraud, they range from 2% to 90%. Yeah. Which is another way of saying we don't know, we don't have the slightest idea. Yeah, and the, oh, so many things... And I know you get uh, really irked by the way that the industry responds to this. I get irked too. It's it is. I think it's really just just frustrating and disgusting. And the one one thing that frustrates me, you talk to people in the industry, and you're like, okay, so there's tons of fraud in the industry. Yeah, is this fraud getting priced into the cost of online advertising? They're like, yeah, of course. And you're like, okay, so how does it get priced in if the market is not smart enough to even to even describe what percentage of the advertising uh, on the internet is being served to bots how is that getting priced in like this is a, like an inefficient mark even if you're a efficient market hypothesis uh, dogma, dogmatist uh, you have to admit that if the market has a information asymmetry they can't know if the cost is being baked in. Of course, if you don't know the extent of the problem, how can you possibly bake the cost in? Yeah, I, I mean, w- w- when the estimates go from two percent to ninety percent, how can it how can it be uh, baked into the cost? It's baloney. And you know, the the one of the problems is that one of the great beneficiaries of ad fraud inadvertently 
is the marketing industry because the ad fraud comes into the into the process after the advertising industry has taken its cut after the agency has been paid after the dsp uh gets its cut after the after the tech uh, the ad tech companies get their cut then the ad fraud comes in and and uh but meanwhile the the marketing and the legitimate marketing industry inadvertently has already made its money so uh so there isn't probably as much incentive for the legitimate ad industry to do what it should be doing to get rid of ad fraud. Okay, so explain that in more detail. So, so are you saying that like, uh, so like let's say let's 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 take this like from a from the marketer to the to the uh, down to the marketplace. So like if if you're Procter and Gamble and you're putting a bunch of advertising for Tide in Tide detergent into the marketplace, what are you saying about how the marketing industry actually? So, oh, is the relationship that 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 Procter and Gamble goes to a third-party marketing agency and says, "Hey, uh, can you play some ads for us?" Or, how, like, what are you describing there? Here's how it works: according to the World Federation of Advertising, okay. So, the client investment is a hundred percent. You're spending, let's say, a million dollars for online advertising. So, the agency of record will take. I'm giving you average figures, okay? We'll take 5%, and then the trading desk will take 15%, and then the demand-side platform will take 10%, and then ad tech um, middlemen doing data and targeting and verification will take 25%, and then there's an ad exchange that will take 5%. So now you've already spent, what, 20, 30, 65, 70% of your dollars before it gets to the publisher. So there's 40% left. And um, the, 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 the assuming a 10% fraud, the, um, the publisher will get 36% and the fraudster will get 4%. Um, and assuming a 30% fraud, the publisher will get what twenty eight percent, and the uh, the fraudster will get twelve percent. But in the meantime, sixty percent of the money, only forty percent gets ever gets to the publisher where the fraud occurs. Sixty percent has already been taken by the legitimate marketing industry, by the agency of record, by the trading desk, by the DSP, by the by the ad tech people and by the exchange so am i making myself clearer is this to uh no 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 it makes sense so okay so talking about other parties that that benefit from this though so so one one thing that i one thing that creeps me out about this is that the the most ambitious estimations of how much fraud there is are typically like $7.5 $7.5 billion or something like $7.5 billion is being taken out of the advertising industry for fraud. But then I look at like the biggest, what are the biggest ad tech companies? The biggest ad tech companies are Facebook and Google. And what I don't understand, how much, like how can we say that seven only $7.5 billion is being taken out of the industry due to fraud when Facebook and Google are worth a lot more than $7.5 
billion dollars a piece like how, how much you know how much are they how much do facebook and google make from this friday because it seems like they are somewhat incentivized to not totally police the fraud like they're 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 incentivized to police the fraud to a certain extent but not entirely let, let, let me answer that two ways first facebook and google are essentially the online advertising industry. I mean, between the two of them, there's probably, I'm guessing, 65 to 70% of online display advertising dollars, uh, online advertising dollars are going to Facebook and Google. The rest are rats and mice. Um, so, so, in a sense, they are, they, they are profiting from marketers um skepticism about fraud every place else and they assume that because Google and Facebook are so large that there's probably not as much fraud there and therefore it's a safe place to go with their online advertising dollars whether that's true or not I have no way of knowing but I think that's the psychology of a lot of advertisers but getting back to your your seven and a half billion for for, for a minute that equates to about five percent of the global online advertising spend. Um, but most estimates place ad fraud much higher than 5%. In fact, the World F Advertising Federation estimates that ad fraud is probably near 30%, which would take that 7.5 number up by six times. And um, believe it or not, if ad fraud is 10%, if ad fraud is 10% of online advertising, by 2025, in just, what, six and a half years, uh, uh, eight and a half years, ad fraud is going to be the second largest criminal activity in the world, second only to drug trafficking. It's astounding how large it is. So what, what, what kind of position is Facebook and Google in here? I mean, can they can they do anything about ad fraud or or should they do anything? Uh, I, yeah, I, I'm really not. This is a very technical question, sure. which I am not in a position okay. to answer. I don't know how to fight ad fraud. I just Fair know enough. that it's huge. And and the, the, the problem with ad fraud is that the um, one of the big problems is that organized crime has not yet gotten into it in a big way. Uh, but organized crime is going to get into it in a big way because there's way too much money there for them to um, for them to to bypass. Uh, and and uh, right now most of ad fraud is being done by black hat marketers the, you know people who used to be webmasters or uh, have ceo uh, seo backgrounds and they're highly skilled marketing technologists and they're doing a lot of the fraud and then there are illegitimate ad networks and then there are you know common cyber criminals but organized crime is not into it yet in a big way, as far as we know. But they're going to be into it because there is so much money in it. 
what about I, I mean let's talk about the legitimacy uh again first for a second to to um i guess uh play the devil's advocate or however you want to you want to phrase it so i mean when is advertising effective and who is it effective for like what are it, does it take does it just take like a a cmo who is really dedicated to doing it right and and then it's going to be an effective strategy like when when is advertising actually effective we talking about online advertising yes, now yes online all, advertising online. I think online advertising is effective when it is um, aimed at direct response. I think that's the that that's where it can be effective. The problem is that the click rates are so low. the the, uh, the average click rates for for online advertising are seven clicks in ten thousand ads. You have to run. 10,000 online display ads to get seven people to click. I mean, that's remarkably low. But still, I, I think there are people who know how to do it right, and they are, and they are the the, the they are benefiting from from online advertising. Most marketers don't know how to do it right, and they're just throwing money at it. And if you're a CMO, you have to put your yourself in the place of a CMO. The life expectancy of a CMO is now insanely low. You know, if you last 18 months or two years at your job, you're probably about average. And, and so your first priority as a CMO is to stay employed, right? And, and if you invest money in online display advertising – you may be 100% wrong, but you're wrong within the normal range. You're wrong in the same way that everyone else is wrong, and you probably won't be fired for it. But if you're not doing display advertising and your boss, the CEO, asks you why not, you may be 100% right, but you're not in the normal range anymore, and you can get fired for that. So what you want to do is you want to stay in the normal range if you're a CMO and do what everyone's doing. And the same is true for ad agencies. It's very hard to explain to your client why you're not doing display advertising or social media or content marketing, even though it may be completely ineffective because you're outside the normal range. And, and it's very hard to be outside the normal range these days in the marketing world and survive. You were in charge of at least one ad agency. Yeah, I was CEO of of two ad agencies, but most recently only one. Yes, right. So when you were in charge of those, did you yeah. tr- did you try to have these conversations with brands where you're like, you know, I don't think you should do this, and they're like, but that's not normal. I tried unsuccessfully. Yeah, I was, you know, you you can't stay in, I mean, one of the reasons I retired from the agency business, not the only reason, but one of the ones is that I couldn't, I couldn't tell the truth anymore. And um, it became uh, very uncomfortable for me. I couldn't say what was really on my mind, because my Clients wanted to hear something else. They, you know, it, it, it's very hard to to convince 
someone of something that they don't want to believe. And and I was always fighting that my clients wanted to put more and more money into online advertising. And and I, I felt the advertising was ineffective. I felt that the data we were getting was not reliable. But they wanted to believe, and it was very hard for me to uh, to say what was really on my mind. So this is what is so weird to me about this industry, because this stuff seems like it is, at this point, considering how much of our whole digital economy has developed as a result of online advertising, this to me seems like a Michael Lewis scale financial I don't even know if you want to call it a financial scandal because even the people that are uh, at the losing end of it are kind of complicit I mean you you know it's, it's not as much like the mortgage crisis where it's like you know you have people who are at the low end of the socioeconomic spectrum taking out mortgages that they really can't or shouldn't take out you have you know Frito-Lay getting bilked uh, out of a bunch of money but it, 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 the, the remarkable thing is that online advertising seems to be serving no one's purpose. I'm, the, the, the three largest stakeholders in online advertising are very unhappy with the state of it. First are the consumers, right? Consumers are very unhappy with online advertising. Uh, the the user experience is abominable. Um, we have 400 million people who are using ad blockers. Doc Searle says this is the largest boycott of anything in the history of humanity, right? A, a recent study reported that Two out of three millennials in the U.S., which is the group that every marketer seems to be obsessed with, use at least one ad blocker. Ad blocking is growing uh, every year by double digits. And the only thing that's preventing the universal use of ad blockers is ignorance. According to one study, 80% of the people who know about the existence of ad blockers use them. So that's the first stake. The the consumers are the first stakeholders who are unhappy. Second are the publishers. 40 to 70%. This is like Huffington Post or or, uh, some other blog or or news site. Yes. Right. And um, right. 40 to 70% of ad revenue that should be going to those publishers is being siphoned off by middlemen, by ad tech middlemen, leaving very little money for the people who are actually producing and publishing the content. The Guardian, the, 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 uh, the, the newspaper in the UK, did a study a few weeks ago, in, in and they did a very smart thing. They bought online ad space on their own website, okay, to see what happened to the money. And they found that as much as 70% of the money was going to middlemen, and they were only getting 30% of the money for, for uh, of, the, of the advertising money that the, that the advertisers thought they were spending on advertising space. 
So the publishers are unhappy. And third, the advertisers are unhappy. Over 70% of marketing executives say that they are unhappy with the current state of online advertising. So who is it serving if the consumers are unhappy, if the publishers are unhappy, if the advertisers aren't, un- uh, aren't happy? Who's happy? Uh, Google the and system Facebook. Is, yeah, the system is And impossible. who controls the narrative? Google and Facebook, and they're doing a fabulous, I mean, they are doing such a great job. I mean, it's hurting everyone else, but but they're remarkable. Do you think in, they in buried the a story? Of course, look, they don't want this. Think about it. F- Facebook started... Facebook started as a social medium, right? You were going to put a page up on Facebook and and it was going to be free and people were going to post about a brand on Facebook and that was going to be shared with their friends and their friends were going to share it with everyone else and it was going to end paid advertising because of the social sharing of brand uh, exuberance and it all turned out to be complete bullshit. Am I allowed to say bullshit? Yeah, you could say that. Okay. It all turned out to be complete bullshit. And what is Facebook now? Facebook is no longer a so they don't make their money from social. They don't do anything for social. They are a traditional advertiser. You go and you put traditional paid advertising, a big fat ad right in the middle of people's Facebook feeds, right? It, 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 the idea that it was going to be social sharing and people were going to share their enthusiasms for brands, it was a fantasy. It was a complete fantasy. Hmm. Um, so, so, yes, you're now, right. Now, so, so, okay, you, you mentioned this study by The Guardian, and I looked at that, um, and just so listeners understand. So, The Guardian, which is an new, online newspaper, makes its money from ad revenue, Basically said, okay, we've been giving our, we've been, we've been basically publishing stuff and letting somebody else handle the advertising stuff. We basically have this ad space. We let some other companies or middlemen take care of when ads get posted. We've been getting revenue from this, and they say, hey, you know what? Let's see what happens when we take control of this and we allocate, like we figure out the the spend at a little more granular level. And even when they did that, there was still a large percentage of their. Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. They bought ads, right? Where, where, right. What did they say? What did they do? Exactly? The, 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 first of all, the Guardian is a big newspaper in in the UK. They have an online version, of course, and um, they wanted to see how much of the advertising money that 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 their advertising oh, yes. clients okay. are, are spending actually gets to them right. and how much is siphoned off by other people. And they found that, uh, you know, if I, if Bob Hoffman's um, uh, whatever I make, let's say I make uh, automobile tire waffles, Bob Hoffman frozen waffles, waffles, frozen waffles. If I advertise on the Guardian's website and I spend $100, the Guardian winds up with $30 and all the ad tech middlemen and everyone else winds up with 70 of those dollars. And I think I'm buying $100 worth of advertising space on on the Guardian and I'm only buying, I'm spending $100, but I'm only getting $30 worth of advertising All space. All right, let, let, let's talk about that. What yeah. is going on there? So you have these middlemen in between, so you would think yes. like, 
I'm Bob's Frozen Waffles. I want to buy $100 of advertising to The Guardian. I go to The Guardian and say, hey, give me $100 worth of ads on your site. In actuality, there are these layers between the advertiser and the publisher, like OpenX or AppNexus or all kinds of other stuff. Explain what is going on. What are these layers of exchanges and stuff in between the publisher and the brand that wants to advertise on that publisher? There is a black box of ad tech that I don't understand, and I don't think anyone understands, that is in between the advertiser and the publisher. So, for example, if I want to buy the... uh, a, a page in the New York Times newspaper. I go to the New York Times and I say I want to buy a, a page of advertising and I give them, you know, $10,000 for a page of advertising and I see my ad on a page in the New York Times. For some reason, which you technology guys understand and I don't, that kind of simplicity has been squeezed out of the online advertising industry. And there's all kinds of layers of stuff that get between me, the advertiser, and you, the publisher, um, for I'm not sure what reason. I don't understand why the online advertising ecosystem is built this way, and I don't know who it serves other than the the middlemen. I, I don't think it serves the advertiser. I don't think it serves the publisher. And it certainly doesn't serve the consumer, who's annoyed with, with all the ad tech stuff that's getting in the way of what they want to do. If, if advertisers could just buy um, a page from a publisher, if I wanted to go to The Guardian online right and just buy an ad on their on their website i don't see why i can't just do that directly with them why i need to go through all these middlemen who are sucking up so much of the money now theoretically the reason for all these me- uh, middlemen is that they optimize the buy it makes the buy more efficient the fact is that it's hard to believe they make the buys more efficient when there's only seven clicks for every 10,000 ads. How much less efficient can you be? I mean, I, I, I don't understand how people believe that this is creating more efficiency well, for Well, them. one way it does, I can see it creating more efficiency and I can understand how this started to develop is if... You know, if you're the Guardian, you want to think about the stories that you're writing. You don't want to think about the about selling ads. You don't want to think about that back office stuff. So you can say, "Hey, uh, Exchange, can you just find me some ads that will run on my on my page and will make sense for my viewers, for my you know readers to see?" And on the other on the other hand, you can uh, you know the the advertiser doesn't want to think. Okay, I need to target um, middle-aged males uh, who are single and don't have a lot of time, so they want to make frozen waffles for breakfast. You you just want to say, uh, or th- that that's what you want to say. That's what you want to be able to say to 
the distribution network of your advertising. You want to be able to go and say, I want to just target these demographics. I don't want to need to go to the Guardian and ask them, hey, do you do your readers like frozen waffles? And so the, the there it makes sense to have this distribution platform as a middleman. Theoretic, theoretically. Theoretic, theoretically, it does. The problem is it hasn't worked. For example, Procter & Gamble is the world's largest advertiser, okay? And they have been using um, Facebook for what is called precision targeting. And instead of targeting demographic groups as, as advertisers would normally do, Facebook promises them all this data that will get them directly to people who want exactly that product uh, with precision targeting. So um, Procter & Gamble has been doing that on Facebook, and they have found that it is working less effectively than demographic targeting, which is how they traditionally do advertising. And in fact, they have canceled their um, their precision targeted Facebook advertising and gone to demographically targeted advertising as they used to. In fact, last year, their sales dropped 8% which is in, 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 in the case of, uh, of um, Procter & Gamble is over $6 billion in sales drop. And a significant part of that has been attributed, they have attributed it to being too precise in their targeting. In fact, if you're a mass marketer and you want to grow your brand, you have to do mass advertising all this precision targeting stuff that the online advertising world has promised us has turned out to be as far as i'm concerned so far mainly baloney and if you want to prove that to yourself the thing to do is to walk through your local supermarket and try to find a brand of anything that has been built with online advertising what you're going to find are brands that have been built by television and radio and outdoor and print and there's almost nothing in the supermarket that you can find that has been built by online advertising then go to walmart and do the same thing then go to target and do the same thing in fact it is my belief that if you want to do successful mass market brand advertising and build your brand the way to do it is not through the precision the quote precision targeting of online advertising is are you sure that's not because we are just now figuring out how to do that because you look at dollar shave club and casper mattress and these highly verticalized brands it does seem to be like a new form of advertising where they they it seems like they have a blended strategy of brand advertising and direct response that actually seems quite effective. Yes, there are a few brands that have been built that way, but for the most part, they have not been built that way. You can name a few brands, you can name a handful of brands that have been built that way through either social media or through online advertising, but they are very few and far between. Mm. Now, the brands that you do see at a supermarket yep. 
when you're walking yep. through Tide detergent, uh, Bob's frozen waffles, etc. <laughs> did 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 these things did the like Tide detergent did Tide detergent manage to cross the chasm into the digital age because they maintained their foothold through online advertising or was it just did they already have their foothold and being and having a presence in the supermarket or television commercials like that's all that matters or well you have to understand that advertising is only a small part it, it it's not the only part of brand development and when you're tied detergent and you've been selling detergent for generations to families and when you have shelf space in supermarkets that helps you a lot and distribution is a very very important part of of marketing success but the the uh whether or not breaking into the online advertising world has helped them maintain their status or not i can't answer that i it, 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 that seems to me to be a proposition that would be uh difficult to prove and based on procter and gamble's experience where they where they took uh, in in uh, 2013 or 2014 they took one third of their advertising dollars and put them online and have experienced um, horrible sales losses I, I I think it'd be very difficult to make that case if you're an advertiser what should you be doing today with digital advertising? How can't do you act, can you actually use digital advertising to your advantage? Yeah. I think search is effective. Search I advertising. Search advertising is effective. I think email advertising to some degree is effective. I think uh, social media is a good way to keep in touch with your best customers, yeah. but it's not going to build your brand. I think content marketing is only effective for very popular brands that nobody is interested in content about uh, pencils and mayonnaise frozen and waffles. You know, frozen waffles. If you're Nike, if you're, uh, um, you know, if you're Apple, sure, content marketing will be effective because people, are, you're a very popular brand. People are interested in you. Social media is mainly, you know, if you're a rock star, if you're a, if you're a actor, if you're a famous athlete, social media is great. If you're making, once again, if you're making pencils and mayonnaise, nobody gives a shit about your tweets and your Instagrams. Um, uh, display advertising is highly suspect. I don't trust any of the numbers. Um, I think the, the amount, you know, the, the problems with viewability that uh, you know, almost 50% of all display ads that you paid pay for don't even appear on a page where anyone can see it. Uh, then you add the problems of fraud. Then you add the problems of banner blindness. Uh, it's a very uh, risky proposition as far, and not a very good investment as far as I'm concerned, unless you're a direct response marketer and you can measure... Uh, and and your measurements are reliable that you're getting uh, a, a reasonable ROI from your display ad investments. 
what have I left out? What other kinds of online? I, I must have left some stuff. Out, well, the, you know, you know, the one, the one thing maybe is like what I what has been really effective for me, and I consider myself a. Um, uh, user with a lot of scrutiny. I'm sure most users yeah. probably consider themselves that, though. What really yeah. works for getting me is like mm-hmm. these brands where they make like a really compelling YouTube video or sure. Facebook video, and then they like attach these track up w- ways of tracking me through the internet, and then I'll like I'm on Facebook and I or or I'm on YouTube and I see some viral video that's attached to a brand like Old Spice. Like I think Old Spice did right. this really well with that the shower guy that right. um and and uh, and then like you know after I've watched that video or uh, and then I'll start to see other little like callbacks to that video or that experience that are like prodding me throughout my navigation through Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and stuff. And that stuff has been, I feel, pretty effective, at least in getting me to associate a brand with like a sense of humor or a certain lifestyle or something. And I'm sure that gets me at some basal level. Absolutely. And that is the value of great creativity. Because when you do great creative work, it doesn't matter what medium you're in a good spot is a good spot on any screen and a bad spot is a bad spot on every screen and if you do you know, the, the, the as a matter of fact the old spice uh, guy that you're talking about that started as a tv commercial right and then they then they went online with it and they use it very effectively and uh yeah and and you know it it's not to say that online advertising can't be great. It can be. It's a question of doing great creative work and getting it in front of enough people. And if you do that, it's going to be effective. But sadly, most of the online advertising is horrible. Most of it is it's from that direct response school of advertising, which nobody likes, which is annoying and, um, and, and consequently is ineffective. Yeah, and I, I and I also agree with you on uh, on search advertising. Search advertising seems yeah. good. Um, yeah, because search, you're all you're in the market for something, right? You don't go to Google unless you're looking to buy something, and, and search marketing is effective because it it's not about creating demand; it's about fulfilling demand, right? I go to Google when I've already decided that I'm going to Hawaii, when I've made a buying decision, then I go to Google to find the best price and what hotels to stay at and all that kind of stuff, right? That's what search is great at. It's great at fulfilling demand, but it's not great at creating demand. Um, As a matter of fact, it doesn't create usually, it doesn't usually create demand. It's where people go once they have decided Mm. on that they're going to buy something or do something. Mm. It does also strike me as more resilient to fraud. I'm not. I guess I'm not 100 percent sure about that, but I'm, I'm not sure. I, I really don't know the technology of um, of fraud yeah. as it relates to Google. I don't know the technology of anything, but <laughs> as fraud relates to Google, I don't. I, I I'm with you. I'm guessing that it's probably not as uh, laden with fraud as the display advertising industry is. 
Yeah, and I mean that's that's the that's the that's the the beacon of hope I have for Facebook and Google also, and just also the fact that they are these identity platforms. We have an identity of a, a, a very reliable identity that uh, can be formed about a specific person that can can verify if that person's behavior and their interaction with the brand is legitimate or not. Um, mm-hmm. But. Uh, yeah, and so I, I wish I could get somebody from Facebook or Google to talk to me about this stuff, but they are extremely tight-lipped about it. In fact, this entire—that is the other. That, I know that's the other thing that irks you about this is that the, the 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 closed lips of the ad industry and just how they will not talk about fraud in detail. Well, it's not just the co- closed lips; it's the fact that they will not allow themselves to be measured by the same third-party measurements that all the other advertising forms use. Now, if you are not hiding anything, why would you do that? Why would you not allow third-party impartial measurement of your your numbers? There's only one reason that I can think of to to not allow that, and that is you're hiding something. Mm -hmm. And I can't prove it, but I have a strong feeling about it. Yeah. So if you are at Facebook or Google and you're an engineer, you should be asking questions. You should go to the ad department and ask questions. You really, I, I honestly, I think this is like a moral imperative. I mean, look, look, look at what happened with Facebook just a few weeks ago. It was determined that like what eighty percent of the uh, of the of the video viewing that they claimed turned out to be wrong, turned out to be fraudulent. Mm-hmm. And um, how, can it, how can it be that for two years they were claiming 80% more v- video viewing than they were getting and none of these geniuses who were supposed to be digital experts realized it? Yeah. Right? All, all these media buyers and, and the digital experts and the people who are, uh, who are uh, spout, uh, information and and uh, praise for this stuff for two years they were overestimating by eighty percent and not one of these people caught it. Yeah, how could that be? It's because nobody knows what the hell's going on. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, nobody really knows. Everyone thinks they know, but nobody really knows. Yeah, well, that's a great note to end on, um, Bob. I want to thank you for coming on the show. Uh, My pleasure. Everybody should check out the Ad Contrarian blog and podcast, and you've got some great talks on YouTube as well. So, And don't forget my book, Marketers Are From Mars, Consumers Are From New Jersey. It's available at Amazon. Thank you. Yes, and you can find Bob's Frozen Waffles in the freezer aisle <laughs> of your local supermarket. Thanks to Symphono for sponsoring Software Engineering Daily. Symphono is a custom engineering shop where senior engineers tackle big tech challenges while learning from each other. Check it out at symphono.com slash sedaily. That's S-Y-M-P-H-O-N-O dot com slash sedaily. Thanks again, Symphono. Wow. 